is that time for Unbossed. Welcome in, I am Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. And definitely do not forget to subscribe, share the stream and also send some love in the comments cuz y'all know I love in comments. And today I am excited to be joined by the one and only Mayor Mondale Robinson, who also happens to be a Rebel HQ contributor. What's up Mondale? How's it going, it's good to be with you. Ah, and it's good to have you, especially on this Friday, which feels like it has been another blow to all of us because it was a devastating blow that was dealt to roughly what 43 million people in the United States, particularly student loan borrowers across the country. Seeing is severe backlash in in the sense that people do not want to see black and brown people um, excel in in this country, and I think it's a, a, a really something that is unfortunate that we have to pay attention to, and allowing the, the the courts to legitimize and license discrimination in this kind of way um, really makes our our country not the country that we want it to be, not the kind of future that we want to push forward. Yes, that was Representative Ilhan Omar, and she was just on point about today's ruling by the US Supreme Court pretty much killing President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. And this would have relieved debt for millions of people, helping close the racial wealth gap on top of it. But before we hit those racial elements, here's the headline from the New York Times. Yeah, it reads, Supreme Court strikes down Biden's debt forgiveness plan. In a 6-3 decision, the court's conservative majority rejected President Biden's plan to cancel more than $400 billion in student loan debt for millions of borrowers. It would have been one of the most expensive executive actions in US history, and now it has been kiboshed. And here's a reminder about how Biden was trying to execute this feat. President Biden contended his administration had the authority to forgive student loan debt under the Higher Education Relief Opportunities for Students Act of 2003, which was the HEROES Act. The law allows the Education Secretary to waive or modify loan provisions in response to a national emergency, such as the coronavirus pandemic, which hopefully we all survived. But as you can see from this next graphic up here that the six right wing conservative justices, they came together to reject Biden's efforts. Yeah, that's right. John Roberts, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, three of them put on that court by Donald Trump, illegitimate means and we just know that they were not here for relieving the debt. And writing for the majority, well, Chief Justice John Roberts stated this. The Secretary asserts that the HEROES Act grants him the authority to cancel $730 billion of student loan principal. It does not. We hold today that the act allows the Secretary to waive or modify existing statutory regulatory provisions applicable to financial assistance programs under the Education Act, not to rewrite that statute from the ground up. Now, Biden's plan would have canceled up to $10,000 in federal student loan debt for many borrowers, $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients, which are those who grew up in extremely impoverished conditions. And that would have had an impact on about one in eight Americans, because there are so many individuals out there who are holding student loan debt. And here's a look at those outstanding loans, which we know are comprised of not only big amounts, but small amounts too. And they impact so many people, absolutely. As you can see, there are thousands of people, millions out there. 33% have less than $10,000, but there are 7% at more than $100,000. And as somebody who has 
what three advanced degrees, uh, one being a JD from what was the most expensive university uh, law school in the country when I went. I can tell you, I know what it's like to have six figure debt. Uh, unfortunately, I have very, very little today, but most people don't have that. And what we do know is that most people who are black are the ones that are suffering because student loan forgiveness would have helped close the racial wealth gap over time. And we also know black students happen to suffer the most. Uh, as you can see here, from this chart, the average amount of black borrowers take out, we're looking at 40 grand versus white borrowers. And the reality is that we have a thing called generational wealth that has been afforded to white Americans from all of the other opportunities that have been given that have been state sanctioned racially based. Uh, opportunities for white people to enjoy free housing to and have loans be wiped out and so on and so forth. And we have this from the Legal Defense Fund. As students of color begin college, the racial wealth gap often worsens because they have fewer socioeconomic resources, less parental and generational wealth, less home equity to finance a loan and fewer savings. Students of color are forced to take on more debt to cover tuition and living expenses to make up for the wealth gap between them and their white peers. It's a reality of the conditions of which this country has created that racial wealth gap. And you know, Biden appears to be recalibrating right now following today's decision. He had tweeted out this, unthinkable, this fight isn't over. I'll have more to announce when I address the nation this afternoon. And as I understand, that should be coming up very soon if it hasn't just popped off. But the reality is that we kind of expected this ruling to come out from the US Supreme Court. We saw them tear down affirmative action yesterday. And so it seems that anything that would help uplift black and brown people from a nation that has really denigrated us is something that the US Supreme Court is not here for. Mondale, do you think I'm getting that right? I think you're spot on and I think it's important that people understand that like the, the way you frame this conversation in not just the context of preventing or rejecting the idea that student loan debt could be wiped away by the president and his, and his, and his uh, education department, but also in the context of what the history of this country is and who has wealth and how, how this country has supported the certain people gaining wealth while they prevent others. And I think the college, the story of American college, how expensive it is, how much it has went up while black people's salary is not going up like this. Um, we see we see more and more ways it is it is becoming almost impossible for black people to afford college in this country. Even though we know uh, as we see black women beginning to attain more and more degrees, it's becoming more and more impossible or more hurdles are being put in front of us. I see people, I see online, Twitter especially, people going in saying, well, black people, black families should do better. It is not like white families are better than black families. It is not like white families are better situated or preparing for their kids more. No, this country gave this white, gave all of its white citizens and continues to give white citizens this boost up that is not awarded black folk. And people need to stop pretending that anything else is different or at play here. No, you're absolutely right. And the fact is that in terms of our education system and how we like to keep people ignorant, while we know that there are stereotypes, lies, and myths that are being promulgated in outside of the educational institution, is the reality that white people have gotten a boost up from the nation from day one. They got to ride on the backs of black people as we built this country. And then on top of that, when we were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule, no, they gave that to white people. And then we have the GI Bill. We have all of these conditions. We have redlining, we have things that have shown that white people have been able to benefit since day one. And also you see this stuff with the, the um, what, affirmative action? 
where the vast majority of people getting into these Ivy League schools are legacy admissions. Guess what? These schools didn't really allow black people, Jews, people of color for centuries. They didn't let people in. And as a result of that, yeah, you do have a legacy that comes with a leg up, even if you don't necessarily have the intellectual capacity to show the grades. And yet still, we're gonna have affirmative action torn down when also we know that white women have been the primary beneficiaries of it. And while we're talking about affirmative action, let's talk about the reactions here because they have been fiery and real since the Supreme Court decision came down yesterday. Today and then the phrase color blindness, are you kidding me? Were we thinking about color blindness when it came to the Homestead Act or the Black Laws or Jim Crow or any of the things throughout history that did not benefit us, that actually harmed us and even killed us versus affirmative action for wealthy white patriarchs, which is why ending legacy admissions, which benefit 70% of white people, but 70% of those who benefit are white. Right. And they keep out low income, mostly children of color. If we're serious about our democracy and equity and equality and legacy admissions, yeah. and we could do that in Congress. Yep, all facts, all facts. It was Representative Jamal Bowman. And his conclusion is completely on point. And the thing is, is he wasn't the only one that was disgusted by yesterday's decision for affirmative action. Also, Biden wasn't here for it. Today, I'm directing the Department of Education to analyze what practices help build a more inclusive and diverse student bodies and what practices hold that back. Practices like legacy admissions and other systems <coughs> expand privilege instead of opportunity. Yeah, because that's the reality here is that what happened yesterday in terms of the affirmative action ruling, it all comes together in terms of continuing to hold back black and brown people in this country. And we know that at the center of the case was Harvard University, which I really wish we had the post out there because that what they had tweeted, cuz you know that Harvard ain't happy because they know there is so much value to having a rich diverse student body, including the president elect there Claudine Gay who had this to say. Supreme Court's decision on college and university admissions will change how we pursue the educational benefits of diversity. But our commitment to that work remains steadfast. It's essential to who we are and the mission that we are here to advance. For nearly nine years, Harvard vigorously defended our admissions process and our belief that we all benefit from learning, living, and working alongside people of different backgrounds and experiences. We will comply with the court's decision, but it does not change our values. No, not at all. And I do really wish that I had time to put up the Harvard tweet because they let you know that the court's decision on affirmative action did say that the schools could continue to consider race if it's in a student statement, their personal statement, their mission statement. Yeah, then it can be considered. So Harvard said they would definitely abide by the ruling. So it pretty much means any applicants put your diversity in that personal statement. We also know that Twitter had a lot to say. The reaction was very swift, including this tweet from Senator Nina Turner. She tweeted out, courtesy of SCOTUS, your ladders unnecessary. But then we see those legacy emissions come in the back door, which we know primarily serve white people. Also, she tweeted out Americans deserve better than this Supreme Court, absolutely. Also, Erica Marsh, who is a former field organizer for Biden, 
really seemed to think that she was being helpful, but she ended up really coming across as someone who may have some issues with race. Check out her tweet. Erica Marsh said, today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system, which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty. Yeah, Erica, super racist. There are plenty, plenty of very, very intelligent black people out there. It's a matter of how Less intelligent people seem to allow our melanin count to get in the way of opportunity. So less us, more you, Erica. Anyway, well, speaking of racist, well, former President Trump definitely had to weigh in via True Social. He said this, this is a great day for America. People with extraordinary ability and everything else necessary for success, including future greatness for our country, are finally being rewarded, white people. This is a ruling everyone was waiting and hoping for, and the result was amazing, racist. It will also keep us competitive with the rest of the world, no. Our greatest minds must be cherished. That's what this wonderful day has brought, no. We are going back to all merit-based, and that's the way it should be. Oh My God, really, all merit Based. No, because again, legacy admissions. Yeah. Anyways, perhaps the most disgusting tweet yesterday came from Bridget Gabriel. Yeah, she said this Martin Luther King would be what? Proud of today with whatever. This woman is a chairwoman for and founder of Act for America. She really had the audacity to put that post up. Um, with MLK Jr. And it just happened to be the day that his last living sibling had died. That's Christine King Ferris, she was 95. And of course, uh, although MLK's daughter is definitely grieving, Bernice King decided to go ahead and let Gabriel know how she was feeling yesterday with that pathetic attempt to boost Trump. She tweeted this, this morning as I grapple with the passing of my aunt, a gross distortion of my father's beliefs of equality, a horrible misuse of his image to oppose something he pressed for. Policies, programs that prevent white supremacy laden inequity in hiring college admissions. Absolutely, because I don't think this Gabriel woman is well aware of what Dr. King had said about the white liberal and she ain't even liberal. So (laughs) anyway, well, we know that the decision on affirmative action definitely ends up harming black and brown people beyond the scope of higher education as does today's decision. But if you're wondering about legacy admissions, as mentioned, they are perfectly intact. This from Axios, while affirmative action has ended legacy admissions, which have existed since before Jim Crow will continue. Those policies essentially help white students from upper middle class and wealthy families. So all of you white people who are living paycheck to paycheck are working so hard to be able to afford the basics and to do well. Well, guess what, to the extent that you're out here blaming black people and brown people for not getting into schools, you just played yourself. Because all this does is give a greater bump to legacy admissions. And the Biden administration is well aware of that, but still the Dems are coming to your support. Cuz as you heard with Biden explaining, they're gonna be doing something. Yeah, they've already released an outline for addressing the ruling, proposing new standards for colleges and universities when selecting among qualified applicants, providing colleges and universities with clarity on what practices are okay, convening a national summit on educational opportunity and so on. The reality again is that white people have had a boost up and continue to have a boost up in our nation. Yet it is always this stereotype myth and lie that black people are the ones getting handouts, that is not 
accurate in any way. And we saw that with the affirmative action ruling that just came down. And fortunately, there are people who recognize the inequities in our society that melanin count should not hold you back, nor should it prevent you from being able to access opportunities. And they are willing to institute the necessary policies to make meaningful change. Mondale. Yeah, I think, I think listen, I, first of all, listen. Oh, that's a lot, right? And this is all in one week in America. Uh, the idea that you know we have the Supreme Court at the same time that they tackle or, or, or eliminate affirmative action, hearkening back to maybe Donald Trump is onto something with the conservatives about making America great again. They should just go ahead and name it what it is: making America as white as possible again, right? Um, so. We see we see what's happening with the Supreme Court. We see what's happening with Republican policies. If people aren't if people aren't careful, America will not be classified as a democracy. The idea that a white person can post a picture of Dr. King not just on the day of the silly ruling, but on the day that his last sibling dies in the arm of Trump, knowing that Donald Trump is the the exact opposite of what Dr. King stands for, is absolutely beyond low. Is beyond low, but it shows Republicans don't care about what's factual, what's necessary. They just care about what's going on. Absolutely, this is all about domination. This is all about subjugation, continuing not only just to have a working enslaved class, but to continue to marginalize people based again on their melanin count, on any differences in their lives. And the thing I will say about education, again, as somebody who has three advanced degrees in addition to the undergraduate degree and who got very, very few scholarships to get there, which I can definitely attest to, I can tell you that our, our country likes to push education as a great equalizer. And that's why you end up having a bunch of black and brown people taking out these loans in hopes of fulfilling the American dream. But then the reality is you get in the workforce and you are subject to discrimination. You are not hired, you are also underpaid and you continue to struggle. You try to get a home, home loans are not accessible to you because there is considerable discrimination in housing. We've seen this case after case, time after time, year after year again and again. And yet still to this day, Again, we are blamed for not pulling ourselves up from the bootstraps when white America has created a functioning system that continues to only function in their favor. So if you are here for progress and you're here for change and you're actually here for equality, you will be speaking out, even if you happen to be a beneficiary of the status quo as it is right now. And that's what I got for you. I'm gonna go take a break, cool off a little bit, and hopefully you will see us when we get back. Welcome back, welcome back. It's Adrian Lawrence. This is Indisputable, or excuse me, Unbossed. Whew, all these shows. Uh, and I'm filling in for the great Nina Turner. And there is so much that is valuable with all these shows. That's right, it's UIT membership. Yes, our mission is always to boldly pursue truth across the platform. We challenge the establishment, we drive positive change. So make an impact and support us as a member. Sign up at tyt.com slash join. Also, you heard me, almost rep for Indisputable. That's right, that's Dr. Richie's show and he is on Sirius. Join Dr. Richie's Sundays on Sirius XM channel 126. The Dr. Rashad Richie Review, check it out, Sirius. XM Urban Views, that Sunday at 1 Eastern. And also, have you checked out our podcast? That's right, Unbossed, get it, get it. Go ahead, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, search for Unbossed with Nina Turner. Click follow and rate us five stars. 
Twitch, let me get to you. That's right, Dissident PM says, Adrian, it always makes my day to see you. Absolutely, thank you for the love. Also, you said one of the central tenets of fascism is to destroy people's ability to accurately observe and ascribe the political realities around them. The GOP and right wing media have successfully completed this step. That makes it more imperative than ever to call a spade a spade. You're damn right. Metal Kitty Mom says, I love the calmness of Mr. Williams Poggies. Interesting. YouTube Snapchat says, not equipped. Woohoo, Adrian and Mondale. Yeah, Winter Dragon, Mondale on the road. That's right. And Smurfy from the TYT members says the cost of higher education alone is a very high bar to get over. Absolutely. And Salty T says, I feel we are on a very slippery slope at the bottom of quicksand. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. But there has been some good news that has arisen in the time. That's right. Biden is out here flexing. He responded to today's ruling by the US Supreme Court, essentially dismissing his promise of student loan forgiveness. And this is basically what he put out there. He said in the wake of today's Supreme Court decision on student loan relief, we need a new way forward and we're moving as fast as we can. Here's what's next. First, I'm announcing a new path to provide student debt relief to as many borrowers as possible, as quickly as possible, grounded in the Higher Education Act of 1965. Just moments ago, Secretary Cardona of Education took the first official step to initiate this new approach. We're not wasting time. Second, we're creating a temporary 12 month on ramp to repayment. This is not the same as a student loan pause, but during the period, if you miss payments, this on ramp will temporarily remove the threat of default or having your credit harmed. This fight isn't over. All right, I appreciate that very much. The fact that Biden is willing to look for other avenues and implement them and stop trying to keep this whole centrist middle ground, unite the right and the left. Yeah, I think that's necessary, especially if he wants to stay in office. And something else I think is necessary would be for him to address the other pivotal decision that came down from the Supreme Court today. This is a license to discriminate at the highest court. I think that this is a pattern that we've been seeing with the Supreme Court, where they're taking away rights instead of broadening rights for marginalized communities. We saw it yesterday, we saw it last year with Roe v. Wade for women, and now we're seeing it against the LGBTQ community. So we're seeing a pattern, we're part of it. Where does this stop? So what business can now deny myself and my wife access when we walk in? Um, and I think they've left that really broad. I haven't read the decision yet, but from the top line analysis of it, I think that this is an open license to discriminate against LGBTQ people in America, which this court has signaled they want to roll back marriage, they want to attack the LGBTQ community, and this is their first step in doing so. Yes, that's right. That was glad President Sarah Kate Ellis speaking on the Supreme Court's decision today that expanded the discrimination that's possible against the queer community as well as other communities. Because again, the decision was pretty broad. Here's the background on the case per the Huffington Post. In 303 Creative versus LNS, amateur web designer Lori Smith asked the court to grant her the right under the First Amendment to refuse service to gay and lesbian couples due to her Christian religious beliefs. Because we know Jesus loved to ostracize and mistreat people. But Smith's request was wholly speculative. She had not been hired to make a website for a same sex couple and therefore had never refused such work. In fact, she never made a single wedding website. 
Now, Ms. Smith basically sued on hypothetical grounds, which largely I would say is not legal. Although there is a First Amendment, you could say that a law out there is chilling your First Amendment rights. I have been a part of defending against those cases on behalf of the government when I worked at the US Attorney's Office. So I'm sure that is what Ms. Smith argued, that her First Amendment right was somewhat chilled. Anyways, Lori Smith has claimed that Colorado's Anti-Discrimination Act, which prohibits denial of good services and facilities because of disability, race, creed, color, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, marital status, national origin, or ancestry violated her First Amendment right by requiring her to take commissions with what she said was a message she did not agree with, specifically websites celebrating the weddings of same-sex couples. Now, this underlying claim, because remember she attacked that Colorado statute, which includes a lot of categories. And so the ruling itself isn't necessarily just limited to LGBTQ plus couples, it could hit you on all those different grounds in terms of denying access to opportunity to patronize businesses and to have the same experience of someone else as long as you fit within one of those marginalized categories. And that's gonna be one of those things that a lot of people start to test at this point, knowing that the Supreme Court precedent out there is now quite broad. And despite this underlying claim really being totally made up as it was, well, the court sided with Smith's religious liberty argument. That was a six to three vote, all the conservatives lining up. And Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who was in the three, well, she joined the other two liberal justices, Elena Kagan, Ketanji Brown Jackson, dissenting. And it was really a blistering dissent and completely accurate. This is what Sonia Sotomayor said. Uh, Today is a sad day in American constitutional law and in the lives of LGBT people. The Supreme Court of the United States declares that a particular kind of business, though open to the public, has a constitutional right to refuse to serve members of a protected class. The court does so for the first time in its history by issuing this new license to discriminate in a case brought by a company that seeks to deny same-sex couples a full and equal enjoyment of its services. The immediate symbolic effect of the decision is to mark gays and lesbians for second class status. In this way, the decision itself inflicts a kind of stigmatic harm on top of any harm caused by denials of service. The opinion of the court is quite literally a notice that reads, some services may be denied to same sex couples. Absolutely. The fact is that this case came up on a hypothetical situation as this woman had never even created this website. And the court took the bait when it should have challenged standing because even if you want to argue that a particular statute chills your First Amendment right, you got to put up a lot of evidence that you would have put out that material, that you would have built a website. And the woman didn't do that here. And that's generally the standard of what is required in order for you to even approach a situation and say that your rights are chilled. The fact is that we have a problem and we're gonna see a lot of litigation coming down the pike trying to get to the US Supreme Court that really seems to undermine whether it's not just same sex marriage, that was declared lawful in Obergefell, but also interracial marriage, being able to access opportunities. If you are a photographer and you don't want to take a picture of maybe a mixed race child, and so you decide to say no because it's against your beliefs. Or maybe someone has a physical disability and you don't want to provide services to them because you don't think that they should have the same accesses. That is what this decision does is it opens the floodgates for state sanctioned discrimination, of course, using religion as its underpinning. This is dangerous, Mondale.
I mean, it's, it's dangerous and it's American, right? Like this is as American as apple pie. And to have Clarence Thomas blackface up there agreeing with all of this is absolutely disgusting as he sits in an interracial marriage, which was just argued, you know, 40, 50 years ago in in this in this court in, in Lovett, Viewers, Virginia. I think the scary part of all of this is we don't know how far it's gonna go. We don't know when it's gonna stop. What's, what's gonna happen when, like you said, a racist person say, I don't wanna marry two black people. It goes against my belief or a black and white person. This is absolutely ridiculous. This what I don't know where they want America to go. But if they have problems with the state of Iran, then they need to have problems with the state of America because right now we're starting to look just like that government. Our government is just like that. We're banning people for being people. We're making it illegal to be anything other than what the majority wants you to be. And uh, I just as a black black geechee boy from the south to see Clarence Thomas on this on on in on the Supreme Court, acting and showing up in this manner is absolutely disgusting. And I would say, bravo to how Biden is showing up in response to the Supreme Court. But this is why the Democrats fell short when they didn't expand the Supreme Court when they had all three houses. And this is the ramification for not doing that. No, absolutely, you are 100% right. Now, I can't speak to Iran uh, as I just can't, um, but I can definitely tell you that the US needs to definitely stop uh, looking at the what um, the logs in other people's eyes when it's got like some kind of log in its eyes. I don't do that kind of whole thing, but I know it's a problem because we're always saying, oh well, this country is the problem, oh, this country uh, is antiquated when really, mm, no, not the case. We need to focus on our own issues. Uh, and that would be really, really helpful to do that if we did have a president who was more willing to stop necessarily trying to reach to the other side of the aisle because there are some people out there who just don't want to recognize the humanity in marginalized people and that's a non-negotiable. But Joe Biden seems to be stepping up today, but I can tell you when it came to his sit down interview with MSNBC's Nicole Wallace yesterday, it kind of seemed like they were trying to hype up the presidency, but it really wasn't feeling it for me. I know the polling numbers are not, not good, but they were the same way when I ran and won. Everybody thought I was going to get clobbered in a primary. I got 80 million votes in the last election. Um, and with the same thing, I remember I was saying that I thought the Democratic Party was going to do extremely well in the off-year election. Yeah. And other than the Bushes, it did. I mean, it was a great and a victory by not having a significant loss. We're going to lose 40 seats and all that. Yeah, President Joe Biden definitely seemed to be coming on the defense with that interview on Wallace with Wallace and Wallace even looked a bit confused. But Biden, he's gonna have to do better if he really wants to inspire voters. As of today, his approval ratings are really on the struggle bus. Check this out. In this graphic here, as you can see, things aren't going great for Biden. Yeah, we got that what, 54% disapproval rate, 40% approval, it's a problem. And Biden, after addressing this particular issue, you know, he was then asked about the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action and whether or not he would consider expanding the courts. I think we know he punked out. You said this court is not normal. What did you mean? What I meant by that is it's done more to unravel basic rights and basic decisions than any court in recent history. And that's what I meant by not normal. It's gone out of its way to, I mean, for example, take a look at overruling Roe v. Wade. Take a look at what the decision today. Take a look at how it's, how it's ruled on a number of issues that 
are, have been president for 50, 60 years sometimes. Before I got elected, while I put together a group of constitutional scholars to try to expand the court, which I think is a mistake after all the, the, the judgment was that that doesn't make sense because it can become so politicized in the future. Afraid the Supreme Court would become politicized. Really, bitch? Have you looked at that? I'm sorry, excuse me. Anyways, we know Biden's refusal to expand the Supreme Court, you know, it's problematic. A lot of us feel that way, Nina Turner included. Yeah, she tweeted out this POTUS must come out in favor of expanding the Supreme Court. Very basic, very true. That's what we need because clearly these nine are problematic, minus the three that I like. But anyway, Rashida Tlaib put this out. Uh, yeah, expand the court. Seems pretty simple to me. Also, Jamal Bowman, we must expand the Supreme Court again. Yes, because it has been expanded before. This isn't something that would just be out of left field. No, this is an actual thing that has been done in the past when it was necessary. So let's just do it now. Mondale, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. And this is not even the largest the court has ever been. So for Biden to sit on TV and say, oh, this is. It's a weird or wild idea. It's unbelievable, and it's also him giving half truths to the TV. He should he should not be talking about what happened in the last election because America looks at him different than it did before he was president. So his numbers now are, like you said, extremely scary. Biden pretending that his numbers puts him in a safe place against any Republican candidate is absolutely ridiculous. Biden looks very feeble in this interview. What I saw was not something strong, not something presidential. And the fact that he's still going against the base that he needs to show up again. If you're not gonna be strong on this issue, expanding the court, and you've not shown up as a strong fighter for all the issues that you bet your name on on the last presidential election, people will be sitting at home and sitting this election out, which means we may be seeing another Trump presidency. Absolutely, because the reality is that Biden may not fully appreciate the fact that you know, he is not looking that strong, as you've noted, Mondale. He's physically not looking that strong. He looks like he gets a 10% discount at Sizzler. Like, we got a problem here that we need fully appreciated by those in leadership. And it seems like everyone wants to pretend that is not the case. And the thing is, is when he was asked about the direction of the Republican Party, well, Biden had this to say. There's still a lot of really good Republicans. Out in the country. No, yeah. and in the Senate. <laughs> Who? Well, I, I think Mitt Romney's the first guy. There's a lot of them, but not Mitt, but others have come to me since I've been elected. Now it's six Republican senators. Two came at one time and the other four alone. Tell me, Joe, I agree with you. But if, I, if, I, if I'm seen to do it, I lose a primary. It, it, it's not a profile in courage, but no. they're, they're, I think... You know me, I'm eternal optimist. I still think there's going to come a moment when they're going to be able to break. And by the way, remember when I said we could still do bipartisan things? They said they couldn't do it. Well, we didn't get a lot, but we got a lot of bipartisan things and done. And now they're running on your bipartisan accomplishment. <laughs> I think that's a sign. Like I said, I'm going to be down there <laughs> congratulating you. Mm-mm-mm, Biden saying there's a moment where they're gonna come to break. Yeah, they gonna break something off and in. But you know, the fact is that Biden is not fully appreciating. The reality is that this isn't the Republican Party from the 1970s, like when Biden probably first started in Congress, that this is a Republican Party of Donald Trump, where there is no shame, where the thought that things need to play somewhat fair is not 
actually there. And also the people, we the people have grown. Social media has come to fruition. People have voices, things are changing by virtue of the fact that everybody has a platform and a megaphone. And we know about the real lived experiences of individuals out there, really. Then newsflash to Biden, the fact is that Republicans are not drifting away from Donald Trump. Check this out, this headline here from PBS NewsHour. Republican support for Trump has increased even as he faces dozens of felony charges. Wake up, Joe Biden. We also know 76% of Republicans or Republican leaning independents said that they hold a favorable view of Trump up 8% percentage points since mid-February. Furthermore, as of Wednesday, June 28th, 10 senators and more than 60 House members have announced that they're backing Trump in 2024 or express support for his bid, even as he faces criminal charges in New York. Just two governors have endorsed the former president. Really? Does that really sound like, oh, there's some good Republicans out there? Yeah, I'll give it to you, Mitt Romney. Like, he isn't as bad, but that don't make him good. I'm not gonna be out here and be like, oh, yeah, that Klansman is kind of cool. Like, come on. If Biden would please act like he is part of a team, because my God, everyone is pretending this is a sport when it comes to our humanity and politics. I just, I, I'm exhausted, Mondale. Listen, you say something powerful. For them, it is a sport, right? Like these, this politics ain't really killing white folk. It's killing black people, though. So it's not a sport for us. It's a life and death thing, and this and it shows up in the way that they they Joe Biden pretends that there's some a lot of good Republican, and he can rattle off one or the six that came to see him when it's half the country is Republicans, and more than 30 or 40 percent of them are diehard Trumpers. No, there are no good Republicans left. If they were, Liz Cheney wouldn't have got kicked out. She was a good conservative, not good for me and what I believe in, but she was good on conservative policies. These people are good on crazy, good on crazy, including Biden, for for saying this idea or this 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 talking point that sounded a lot like he cared more about he cared more about bipartisanship than he does about black people dying. Like, if if I gave a damn about bipartisanship. I would be okay still being enslaved or my ancestors have been enslaved. Bipartisanship has never got black people anything, definitely not got us closer to equality. So I'm tired of hearing Democrats bragging about bipartisanship when you hear Republicans getting canceled for it. Absolutely, without a doubt. The fact is that my humanity, your humanity is a non-negotiable. And I really wish Biden would act accordingly. And yes, pushing through with this student loan forgiveness is important, but really, is that enough? And I would say no, we need a ruthless leader who is willing to be as ruthless as the GOP has been when they've been in leadership. We need someone who stops trying to reach across the aisle and is more really willing to reach out and grab some folks by the neck. Of course, figuratively, not literally, unless, you know, hey, if you're gonna bring it, bring it. Anyway, we're gonna head for a break, see you in a moment. Welcome back to Unboss. It is Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. Let's hear what y'all got to say. So on Twitch, well, dissident PM says, damn Scrotus was really busy tearing apart the country lately. Oh yeah, and they're not done yet. Please, the court just took up a case on whether domestic violence convictees can be firearm owners. So I think you can expect what's gonna happen there. Airship Wright says, if you want to be a racist, sexist bigot, POS, do not open a public business, start a private club where you and the rest of the members can wear your robes and hoods. Thank you, thank you. YouTube Super Chat says, Christina, 
Eliza Brown says, I adore Adrian. She's so fierce. Love you too. What makes me so proud was the day I watched TYT with my daughter. JR, Dr. Richie, and another black man giving news. As a child, I've never seen that, but TYT made the world a better place for our kids. I can dig it. TYT members, Wolf Dragon Donna says, love seeing you two here today. Thank you. Mountain Dragon, I know there has always been a president and vice president, but is there any way we can have three people run our country the right way? You know what? I actually not really against it, but it is supposed to be a separation of power. So that third person is kind of supposed to be the judiciary and then Congress. But as we know, there is a lot of problems as it concerns the presidency. And there's a group that doesn't want a certain person back in the presidency. Yeah, that's right. So as we know, what one half of the Koch brothers? Well, they may be six feet under, but their family empire very much alive and well, and they're fighting against Donald Trump. Check out this reporting from the New York Times. This headline here, Koch Network raises over 70 million for push to sink Trump, ooh, they trying to get him down by that Titan submarine. They're throwing their weight behind eliminating the GOP's leading contender for president. Now here are the deets on the donations that they have amassed. With some of this large sum to start, the network Americans for Prosperity Action plans to throw its weight into the GOP presidential nominating contest for the first time in its nearly 20 year history. The network spent nearly $500 million supporting Republican candidates and conservative policies in the 2020 election cycle alone. Two groups closely affiliated with Charles Koch contributed 50 million of the more than 70 million that has been raised. David Koch died of cancer in 2019, I wish I felt bad. The conservative empire we know that's thrown a lot of money behind the difficult cause here, which I can appreciate ensuring that Trump does not become what the 47th president. Well, they circulated a memo amongst each other that really says that they hope to have a new president that opens and represents a new chapter. Also this. So some of the biggest donors in Republican politics, including some of the Koch network, had been hanging their hopes on Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida as Mr. Trump's most promising rival. But Mr. DeSantis has disconcerted many donors with his early campaign stumbles, slip in the poll numbers and willingness to be the grand dragon out in the open. And here are the poll numbers that we can see. Who's ahead in the national polls? Check this out. It's still Donald Trump, that's right. Oh My God, those charges, that indictment didn't do a damn thing. People are not feeling DeSantis, um, you know, of course, I'm sure his wife isn't either. Uh, DeSantis is currently sitting at 23.5%. And we know surely some neoliberals will fall for the play by the Coke network, uh, claiming that the network is on their side, but they really need to think it again. Because at the same time that that memo was circulated back in February saying they want a new leader who represents a new chapter. Well, the group was doing some shady behind the scenes work. Here's the Guardian headline from February of that year. Check this out. Koch Brothers Advocacy Group courts far right Republicans it vowed to thwart. Americans for Prosperity Action recently invited two politicians who tried vigorously to overturn the 2020 presidential election. That really should tell you 
that the Koch brothers may not want Trump in power, but that doesn't mean they don't want to dismantle democracy and ensure that white male supremacy reigns. Because I can guarantee you that is what they're truly putting their money behind. Although now with what DeSantis not necessarily being the leader that they would like, it makes you wonder who they're gonna throw their money behind. Do you think possibly we could see another candidate suddenly emerge in this 2024 presidential race, Mondell? Listen, so people people should not be uh, fooled by the Koch brothers and think that they care about anything other than money, right? The Koch brothers are the founders, one of them dead. So I would say God rest his peace, but I mean, rest his soul, but I don't feel that yeah, way. Yeah, he, he ain't with God, keep him Yeah, on. so, but they, they created, these brothers created Alec. They are the money and the brain behind Alec, which is the American Legislative Executive Council that saw business Filthy rich businesses get together in a space with elected at the state, electors at the state level, and write policies and basically have these people go back to their states and introduce them. It was at their conference that a Georgia state rep said, uh, not only talking to a private business that owns prisons, not only can we build another prison, but we can feed, we can fill it up quicker than it's finished being built. So this is this is a politician selling off citizens, promising to lock them up for the for the Koch brothers' efforts. So this is nothing pretty happening here. The money behind Trump uh, is the same money. They, they refused to spend money on Trump's election in 2016 when he won and 2020. So this idea that the Koch brothers supporting a Republican candidate is beneficial for folks that believe in progressive ideas is a slap in the face of anybody that's doing organizing work around marginalized people. This is the wickedness that is money in politics, thinking about the Koch brothers. Absolutely, and anybody who loses sight of that is going to be part of the problem because they're going to allow these individuals to sneak up on us with whomever they choose to truly back for 2024. And we are gonna probably be in a worse position than we are now, even though it's so difficult to even fathom. But what also is kind of difficult to fathom is the fact that we do have a holiday coming up and it's going to be absolute utter hell. Yeah, that's right, the earth is dying. And we know this because it's like a million degrees and that's everywhere. We see you know, British people out they're losing their minds, damn near want to you know, get braces and brush their teeth because it's so hot, it's wild. And we also know stateside on the other side of the pond, well, it's the most recent heat wave. It's currently hitting Texas, the Southern US, Mexico, California here. It's gonna be 104 degrees in NorCal. This is hot and we're in our third week of a heat wave that's really gripped the nation with temperature records falling for days in a row, so we hope. Well, this chart will show you just how hot the US South has been over the past seven days alone. So even the thought of the temperatures falling, no, 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 that's it. A high pressure system is bringing record high dangerous levels of heat to Texas, the American Southwest, Mexico, prompting excessive heat warnings in several cities and towns. This is not good. Extreme heat also hit India, China, Canada, widespread wildfires burning, and that's impacting the air. We know with those Canadian fires that New York and other places up there in the Northeast they have been on the struggle bus in terms of being able to breathe. Heat waves are already the deadliest weather relating to a disaster in the US. Weather fatalities, check out this chart here. We know that heat related deaths are the largest, highest number of fatalities caused by natural disasters, essentially in the United States. So as much as we have issues when hurricanes come and whatnot, no, it's heat. Heat is the problem. This also per the Associated Press. 
The heat wave blamed for 13 deaths in Texas so far spreads eastward. It is moving and it's really dangerous. Daniel Swain is a climate scientist for the University of California, Los Angeles at UCLA stated that most of the world's population has experienced record breaking heat in recent days. But something else is adding to the fire, El Nino climate patterns. The hottest years on record tend to happen during El Nino. It's one of the most obvious ways that El Nino, which is a natural climate pattern, exacerbates the effects of climate change, which is caused by humans burning fossil fuels and releasing greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And this extreme heat is also creating poor air quality. According to Alice Hill, senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, we are seeing a climate that didn't exist before. We simply don't have what we need for a climate worsened environment. And we are sorely behind in the land use choices, the building codes, the type of changes that would keep us much safer in a hotter, more dangerous world. And as much as I will joke, the reality is this is big. This is going to change a lot of aspects of our daily lives. The fact is that you have a unfortunately burgeoning homeless population because we have a housing crisis, which is completely unnecessary. But you have people who are exposed to the elements, who can't access air that is conditioned. And as a result, you're going to see heat levels go up. Also, we have an aging population because, you know, hey, we're living longer by virtue of modern medicine. And also as a result of that, that puts a number of people in very vulnerable situations when it comes to heat exposure, heat exhaustion. And it is happening a lot of places in the United States and the world where it has never been this bad. The fact is that we are killing our world and as a result, it's killing us. We need to take this very seriously as much as we want to have fireworks and kind of what detach ourselves from the reality of this world heading into the July 4th weekend. The reality is that we're not gonna have a future in this world unless we start taking it seriously. Mondale. Yeah, I don't know what people need more than days where 12 people in one state have already been killed and we're less than two weeks into summer. I don't, I don't, the idea that this, this earth is not heating up, it's unbelievable to me. Um, and as we as we sit and talk about the weather, the weather begins to change in the mountains, it's raining. So uh, I'm doing TYT's first live <laughs> raining interview right now. But I think it's, I think what, here's what scares me the most about the environment. Uh, as we see the president dampen his idea on what uh, cars should and shouldn't be doing, how we should and shouldn't be drilling uh, on and offshores in this country, how we're cracking the earth for for gases. And all we think about is dollar signs and not lives and not what we're doing to this earth and how long this earth is gonna be around uh, to serve us. And I think that's the problem. I really do believe that's the problem. We believe the earth was designed to serve us and not how we fit into this whole thing, this entire ecosystem that is more than just humans. So um, what I am thankful for is that this earth seems to be, uh, has the ability to rid itself of any virus, including humans. So um, as dark as that seems, it seems like the earth may be uh, preparing herself to get rid of us. Absolutely, and I think it's doing it with the help of them orcas out there beating asses, and I love it. I am such a fan, and I'm also a fan of you, Mondale, and your contributions as a Rebel HQ contributor. So, can you please tell us not only what you are doing for this July Fourth weekend, but also where we can find more about you? Yeah, I'm just sitting out in the woods this weekend, doing nothing low key. Um, but for real, you can find me at Rebel HQ, and I'm Mondale Robinson all over social media platforms. Thank you, Adrian.
Fabulous, and you be safe out there because we know black men in woods don't always go the best. But yeah, blink twice if you need help. Otherwise, I will definitely be in Northern California living my best life in what should probably be about 105 degree heat. But I will definitely be thinking of you all out there, including those orcas that are all doing God's work. And in the meantime, you can find me on Rebel HQ, which is on Facebook and YouTube. And I wanna thank you all for allowing me to spend Friday with you. It's been good. Definitely check out Unbossed on all the podcast platforms and have a safe and happy 4th of July. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.